Hello, and welcome to the turbulent world of Middle East soccer, or Middle East soccer podcast. I'm your host, James Dorsey. President Joko Widodo's recent cabinet reshuffle suggests that Indonesia may adopt a more critical attitude towards China and reinforce government support for efforts by Nahadatul Ulama, the world's largest Muslim movement, to reform Islam and position the Southeast Asian state as a key player in a battle with Middle Eastern rivals for the soul of Islam. Mr. Widodo signaled his potential policy moves with the appointment of Ambassador to the United States, Muhammad Lutfi, as Trade Minister and prominent Nagatul Ulama official Yakut Cholil Kumas as Minister of Religious Affairs. Mr. Lutfi's appointment came two months after a visit by Mike Pompeo to Jakarta in October at the invitation of Nagatul Ulama, during which the Secretary of State extended Indonesia's access to a preferential tariff arrangement and opened the door to a free trade agreement with the United States. Mr. Pompeo emphasized in talks with Mr. Widodo and in an address to a Nahadatul Ulama conference the need to challenge China's territorial claims in the South China Sea, as well as its brutal crackdown on Turkic Muslims in the People Republic's northwestern province of Xinjiang. Indonesia, the world's largest Muslim-majority democracy, extradited to China three Uyghurs, the dominant Turkic ethnic group in Xinjiang, just days before Mr. Pompeo's arrival. Mr. Kumas's appointment is significant not only because of his prominent Nagatul Ulama background, but also given that he is one of the leaders of the movement's most influential wing that has adopted a tough position on China's repression of the Uyghurs. Indonesia has to date sought to walk a fine line in escalating tensions between the United States and China, including its refusal to speak out on the plight of the Uyghurs. Indonesia has further sought to balance rejection of Chinese maritime claims in Indonesian waters with a desire to attract Chinese investment. An Islamic scholar and leader of Nadatul Ulama's GP Ansor Youth Movement, Mr. Kumas, alongside his brother Yahya Cholil Stakuf and Nadatul Ulama's Secretary General, has been a driving force in the promotion of the movement's concept of humanitarian Islam based on principles of tolerance, pluralism, and the embrace of the Universal Declaration of Human Rights. Nadatul Ulama's government-backed promotion of the concept has put it in direct competition with major efforts by Saudi Arabia, United Arab Emirates, Turkey, and Iran to garner religious soft power by propagating a statist interpretation of the faith. It is an interpretation that in the case of the Kingdom and the UAE professes adherence to tolerance and interfaith dialogue, but demands absolute obedience to the ruler. Turkey and Iran push interpretations of the faith that embrace elements of political Islam 
as well as authoritarian governance. In one of his early statements as minister, Mr. Kumas appeared to be challenging more traditional wings of Nadatul Ulama by declaring in remarks during a visit to a Protestant church that he would protect the rights of Shiites and Ahmadis, two minorities that have been on the defensive amid concerns of mounting intolerance in Indonesia. Senior figures within Nahadatul Ulama continue to view Shiites, who constitute a mere 1.2% of the Indonesian population, as one of the foremost domestic threats to Indonesian national security and an Iranian fifth wheel. Similarly, many in Nahadatul Ulama reject Ahmadis identifying themselves as Muslims because the sect refuses to acknowledge the finality of the Prophet Muhammad. I don't want members of Shia and Ahmadiyya displaced from their homes because of their beliefs. They are citizens whose rights must be protected. The religious ministry will facilitate a more intensive dialogue to bridge differences, Mr. Kumas said, referring to attacks on minorities. Mr. Kumas's Nahadatul Ulama Youth Wing, together with its five million strong militia, has played a key role in confronting militant Islamic groups like Hizbut Tahrir and the Islamic Defenders Front, FDI. GP Ansor officials take pride in having engineered situations that in 2017 led to the banning of Hizbut Tahrir, a controversial global movement that calls for the restoration of the caliphate. The government last month banned FDI, established as a vigilante group that was a major organizer of mass protests in 2016 that led to the defeat of Basuki Chiraja Puranama, a Christian of Chinese descent, better known as Ahok, in mayoral elections in Jakarta and his subsequent sentencing on blasphemy charges. The ban came weeks after the return to Indonesia from self-exile in Saudi Arabia of FDI leader Rizik Shaheb. Mr. Shaheb was arrested for allegedly violating coronavirus restrictions. The outlawing of Hizbut Tahrir and FDI on the basis of a presidential decree that enables the government to bypass legal procedures and fast-track the banning of groups it considers security threats prompted human rights groups to warn that Indonesia was undermining rights of freedom of association and expression. Deputy Justice Minister Edward Omar Sharif Hiarije told reporters that FBI was outlawed because some 30 members of the group had been convicted on terrorism charges because the group defied Indonesia's state ideology, Pancasila, which stresses unity and diversity. The banning of FDI followed the election in November of Miftahul Akhyar, a Nahadatul Ulama cleric, as head of the influential Indonesian Ulama Council, or MUI to replace Maruf Amin, Mr. Widodo's vice president, who in the past took a hard line against minorities and advocated orthodox Sunni Muslim positions. 
Mr. Achyai's Nadatul Ulama's spiritual guide. The election further removed from the council's leadership several clerics who had backed the anti-Ahok demonstrations. They were replaced by at least one supporter of humanitarian Islam, Mazdar Masudi, as well as scholars from Muhammadiyah, Indonesia's second largest Muslim movement viewed as progressives. Nonetheless, some analysts suggest that the council, in apparent contradiction to Mr. Kumas, will not break its discriminatory attitudes towards minorities. Said Alexander Arifianto, an Indonesia scholar at Singapore's S. Rajaratnam School of International Studies, when it comes to marginalized minorities, we can expect the new MUI leadership to retain their conservative standing. Mainstream Islamic clerics, including those within MUI, tend to share a conservative orthodoxy in their religious interpretation towards these groups. Thank you for joining me today. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. A written version of this podcast is on my blog, The Turbulent World of Middle East Soccer, at mideastsoccer.blogspot.com. Please join me for my next podcast in the coming days. Best wishes for the new year, and take care in these trying times.